Testing, testing, one, two, one, two. Can everybody hear me? Hi, guys, it's Chloe, your old host, your old friend, your old pal, coming back with another episode of Chloe Navis Stories. So I'm sorry I didn't post Wednesday or April or May 19th, 2021. It was just kind of a busy day. I didn't get time to record the day before. My phone died. I didn't, I just didn't have time to do it. So, yeah. Today is May 20th, 2021, and we are coming back with epi- with chapter 3 of Madame Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time, Mrs. Witch. Let's get started with that right now. Mrs. Witch. In the forest, evening was already beginning to fall, and they walked in silence. Charles and Fortinbras gambled ahead on ahead. Calvin walked with Ned, his fingers barely touching her arm in a protective gesture. This has been the most impossible, the most confusing afternoon of my life, she thought. Yet, I don't feel confused or upset anymore. I only feel happy. Why? Maybe we were meant to meet before this, Calvin said. I mean, I knew who you were in school and everything, but I didn't know you. But I'm glad we've met now, Meg. We're going to be friends, you know. I'm glad too, Meg whispered, and they were silent again. When they got back to the house, Mrs. Murray was still in the lap. She was watching a pale blue fluid moving slowly through the tube from a beaker to resort. Over a Bunsen burner, big a bubbled earthenware dish of soup. Don't tell Sandy and Danny I'm cooking out here, she said. They're always suspicious that a few chemicals may get in with the meat. But I had an experiment I wanted to stay with. This is Calvin O'Keefe, mother. Meg said, is there enough for him, too? It smells super. Hello, Calvin, Mrs. Murray shook hands with him. Nice to meet you. But we aren't having anything but stew tonight, but it's a good thick one. Sounds wonderful to me, Calvin said. May I use your phone so my mother will know where I am? Of course. Show him where it is. Will you please, Meg? I won't ask you to use this one out here, if you don't mind. I'd like to finish up with this experiment. Meg led the way into the house. Charles Wallace and Fortinbras had gone off. Outdoors, she could hear Sandy and Danny hammering at a fort they were building up in one of the maples. This way, Meg went through the kitchen and into the living room. I don't know why I call her when I don't come home, Calvin said, his voice bitter. She wouldn't notice. He dialed. He sighed and dialed. Ma, he said. Oh, Hinky, tell Mom I won't be home till late. Now, don't forget, I don't want to be locked out again. He hung up. And looked at Meg. You know how lucky you are? She smiled rather wearily. Not most of the time. A mother like that. A house like this. Gee, your mother's gorgeous. You should see my mother. She had all her upper teeth out and Pop got her a plate, but she won't wear it. And most days she doesn't even comb her hair. Not that it makes much difference when she does. He clenched his fist. But I love her. That's the funny part about it. I love them all, and they don't give a hoot about me. Maybe that's why I call when I'm not going to be home. Because I care. Nobody else does. You don't know how lucky you are to be loved. Meg said in a startled way. I guess I never thought of it that. I guess I just took it for granted. Calvin looked somber, and then his enormous smile lit up his face again. Things are going to happen, Meg. Good things, I can feel it. He began wandering so slowly around the pleasant, if shabby, living room. He stopped before a picture on the piano of a small group of men standing together on the beach. Who's this? Oh, a bunch of scientists. Where? Meg went over to the picture. Cape Canaveral. 
this one's father. Which? Here. The one with glasses? Yep. The one who needs a haircut, Meg giggled, forgetting her worries and the pleasure at showing Cobb in the picture. His hair is sort of the same color as mine, and he keeps forgetting to have it cut. Mother usually ends up doing it for him. She bought clippers and stuff because he won't take the time to go to the barber. Calvin studied the picture. I like him, he announced judiciously. Looks kind of like Charles Wallace, doesn't he? Meg laughed again. When Charles Wallace was a baby, he looked exactly like Father. It was really funny. Calvin continued to look at the picture. He's not handsome or anything, but I like him. Meg was indigent. He is too handsome. Calvin shook his head. Nah, he's tall and skinny like me. Well, I think you're handsome, Meg said. Father's eyes are kind of like yours too, you know? Really blue. Only you don't notice as much because of his glasses. Where is he now? Meg stiffened. But she didn't have to answer because the door from the lab to the kitchen slammed and Mrs. Murray came in carrying a dish of stew. Now she called... I'll finish this up properly on the stove. Have you done your homework, Meg? Not quite, Meg said, going back into the kitchen. Then I'm sure Calvin won't mind if he finished before dinner. Sure, go ahead. Calvin fished into his pocket and pulled out a wide of folded paper. As a matter of fact, I have some chunk of mine to finish up. Math. That's one thing I have a hard time keeping up in. I'm okay with anything to do with the words, but I don't do as well with numbers. Mrs. Murray smiled. Why don't you get Meg to help you? Let's see, I'm several grades above Meg. Try asking me to help you with her math. Anyhow, Meg, Mrs. Murray suggested. Well, sure, Calvin said. Here, but it's pretty complicated. Meg smoothed out the paper and studied it. Do you, do they care how you do it? She asked. I mean, can you work it out your own way? Well, sure, as long as I understand and get the answers right. Well, we have to do it their way. Now look, Calvin. Don't you see how it's easier if we did it this way? Her pencil flew over the paper. Hey, Calvin said. Hey, I think I get it. Show me one more time with another one. Again, Meg's pencil was big. See, all you have to do is remember that every ordinary fraction can be converted into an infinite period periodic decimal fraction. See? So, 3-7 is 0 0.428571. This is the craziest family, Calvin grinned at her. I suppose I should stop being so surprised by now. But you're supposed to be the dumb in school. I always called up on the carpet. Oh, I am. The trouble with Meg and math, Mrs. Murray said briskly, is that Meg and her father used to play with numbers, and Meg learned far too many shortcuts. So when they want her to do the problems a long way around at school, she gets sullen and stubborn and sets up a mental block for herself. Are there any more morons like Meg and Charles around? Calvin asked. If so, I should meet more of them. It might also help if Meg's handwriting were legible, Mrs. Murray said. With a good deal of difficulty, I can usually decipher it, but I, us but I doubt very much if her teachers can or are willing to take the time. I'm planning on giving her a typewriter for Christmas. That may be help. If I can... If I get anything right, nobody will believe me, Meg said. What's a Megris? Calvin asked. One of Father's nicknames for me. Megrisek. One of Father's nicknames for me, Meg said. It's also 3.26 million light years. What's E equals MC squared? 
Einstein's equation, what does E stand for? Energy, M, mass. C, C squared, the square of the velocity of light in centimeters per second. But what is what countries is Peru bounded? I haven't the faintest idea. I think it's in South America somewhere. Well, what's the capital of New York? Well, New York City, of course. Who wrote Bonds? Well, Life of Johnson. Oh, Calvin, I'm not good at English. Calvin groaned and turned to Mrs. Mark. I see what you mean. Her, I wouldn't want to teach. She's a little one-sided, I grant you, Mrs. Murray said. Though I blame her father and myself for that. She still enjoys playing with the doll's with her doll's house, though. Mother! Max shrieked in agony. Oh, darling, I'm sorry, Mrs. Murray said swiftly, but I'm sure Calvin understands what I mean. With a sudden enthusiastic gesture, Calvin flung his arms out wide as though he were embracing Meg and her mother the whole house. How did all this happen? Isn't it wonderful? I feel as though I were just being born. I'm not alone anymore. Do you realize what this means to me? But you're good at basketball and things, Mike protested. You're good in school. Everybody likes you. For all the most unimportant reasons, Calvin said, there hasn't been anybody, anybody in the world I could talk to. Sure, I can function on the same level as everybody else. I can hold myself down. But this isn't me! Meg turned a batch of forks from the drawer and turned them over and over again, looking at them. I'm all confused again. Oh, so am I, Calvin said gaily. But now at least we... I know we're going somewhere. Meg was pleased and a little surprised when the twins were excited at having Calvin over for supper. They knew more about his athletic record and were far more impressed by it than she. Calvin ate... Five bowls of stew, three saucers of jello, and a dozen cookies, and then Charles Wallace insisted that Calvin take him up to bed and read to him. The twins, who had finished their homework, were allowed to watch a half an hour of TV. Meg helped her mother with the dishes and then sat at the table and struggled with her homework, but she could not concentrate. Mother, are you upset? she asked suddenly. Mrs. Murray looked up from a copy of English Scientific Magazine's through which she was leafing. For a moment, she did not speak. Then, yes. Why? Again, Mrs. Murray paused. She held out her. She held her hands out and looked at them. They were long and strong and beautiful. She touched with the finger of her right hand the broad gold band on the third finger of her left hand. I'm still quite a young woman, you know, she said finally. Though I realize that it's difficult for you children to conceive. And I'm still very much in love with your father. I miss him quite dreadfully. And you think this all must have something to do with father? I think it must have. But what? That I don't know, but it seems the only explanation. Do you think things always have an explanation? Yes, I believe that they do. But I think that with our human limitations, we are not always able to understand the explanations. But you see, Meg, just because we don't understand doesn't mean the that the explanation doesn't exist. I like to understand things, Meg said. We all do, but it isn't always possible. Charles Wallace understands more than the rest of us, doesn't he? Yes. Why? I sp suppose because he's, well, different, Meg. Different how? I'm not quite sure. You know yourself he's not like anybody else. No, and I wouldn't want him to be, Meg said defensively. Wanting doesn't have anything to do with it. Charles Wallace is what he is. Different. New. New? Yes, that's what your father and I feel. Meg twisted her pencil so hard it broke. She laughed. I'm sorry. I'm not really being... I'm really not being destructive. I'm just trying to get things straight. I know. 
But Charles Wallace doesn't look different from anybody else. No, Meg. But people are different more than the way they look. Charles Wallace's difference isn't physical. It's a, it's a, it's a sense. Meg sighed heavily, took off her glasses and twirled them, put them back on again. Well, I know Charles Wallace is different, and I know he's something more. I guess I just have to accept it without understanding it. Mrs. Murray smiled at her. Maybe that's the point I was trying to get across. Yeah, Meg said dubiously. Her mother smiled again. Maybe that's why our visitor last night didn't surprise me. Maybe that's why I'm able to have... Uh, a willing suspension of disbelief because of Charles Wallace. Are you like Charles? Meg asked. I heavens no. I'm blessed with more brains and opportunities than many people, but there's nothing about me that breaks out of the ordinary mold. You, Your looks do. Mrs. Murray laughed. You just haven't had enough basis of for comparison. Meg, I'm very ordinary, really. Calvin O'Keefe, coming in then, said, Ha ha. Charles all settled, Mrs. Murray asked. Yes. What did you read to him? Genesis, his choice. By the way, what kind of experiment were you working on this afternoon, Mrs. Murray? Hold on, guys. My uh, light It turns off if it doesn't detect movement for 10 minutes and it turned off so okay i'm back genesis his choice by the way what kind of experiment were you working on this afternoon mrs murray oh something my husband and i were cooking up together i don't want to be too far behind him when he gets back mother meg pursued. Charles says I'm not one thing or the other, not flesh nor foul nor good red herring. Oh, for crying out loud, Calvin said. You're Meg, aren't you? Come on, let's go for a walk. But Meg was still not satisfied. And what what do you make of Calvin, she demanded of her mother. Mrs. Murray laughed. I don't want to make anything of Calvin. I like him very much and delighted he's found his way here. Mother, you were going to tell me about the Tesseract? Yes, a troubled look came into Mrs. Murray's eyes with Calvin. I'm going to go up and kiss Charles, and then I have to see that the twins get to bed. Outdoors, the grass was wet with dew. The moon was halfway up and dimmed the stairs with a great arc. Calvin reached out and took Meg's hand with a gesture as simple and friendly as Charles Wallace's. Were you upsetting your mother? He asked gently. I don't think I was, but she's upset. What about father? Calvin led Meg across the lawn. The shadows of the trees were long and twisted, and there was a heavy, sweet, autumnal smell to the air. Meg stumbled as the land sloped suddenly downhill, but Calvin's strong hands steadied her. They walked carefully across the twins' vegetable garden, picking their way through rows of cabbage, beets, broccoli pumpkins looming on their way looming on their left were the tall stalks of corn ahead of them there was a small apple orchard bounded by a stone wall beyond the woods through which they had walked that afternoon Calvin led the way to the wall and 
then sat there, his red hair shining silver in the moonlight, his body dapped with patterns from the triangle branches. He reached up, pulled an apple off the gnarled limb, and handed it to Meg, then picked one for himself. Tell me about your father. He's a physicist. Sure, we all know that, and he's supposed to left your money there and gone off with some dame. Meg jerked up from the stone on which he had been perched, but Calvin grabbed her wrist and pulled her back down. Hold it, kid. I didn't say anything you hadn't heard already, had, did I? No, Meg said, but continued to pull away. Let me go. Come on, calm down. You know it isn't true. I know it isn't true. And how anybody, after one look at your mother, could believe that any man would leave her for another woman just shows how far jealousy will make people go, right? I guess so, Meg said. But her happiness had fled, and she was back in a morass of anger and resentment. Look, yo, Calvin shook her gently. I just want to get things straight. Sort out fact from fiction. Your father's a physicist. That's a fact, yes? Yes. He's a PhD several times over. Yes. Most of the time he works alone, but some of the time he works at the Institute of Higher Learning in Princeton. Correct? Yes. Then he did some work for the government, didn't he? Yes. You take it from there, that's all I know. That's about all I know, too, Meg said. Maybe Mother knows more, I don't know. What he did was, well, it was what they called classified. Top secret, you mean? That's right. You don't even have any idea what that was about. Meg shook her head. No, not really. Just an idea because of where he was. Well, where? Out in New Mexico for a while where we were with him there. And then he was in Florida at Cape Caraviel, and we were with him there too. And then he was going to be traveling a lot, so we came here. You always had this house? Yes, but we used to live in it just in the summer. And you don't know where your father was sent. No, first we got lots of letters. Mother and father always wrote to each other every other each other every day. I think mother still writes them every night. Every once in a while, the postman should make some kind of crack about all their letters. I suppose they think she's pursuing him or something, Calvin said rather bitterly. They can't understand plain, ordinary love when they see it. Well, go on. What happened next? Nothing happened. That's the trouble, Meg said. Well, what about your father's letters? They just stopped coming. You haven't heard anything at all? No, Meg said. Nothing. Her voice was heavy with misery. Silence fell between them as as the dark tree shadows that fell across their lap and it now seemed to rest upon them as heavily as though they possessed measurable weight of their own. At last, Calvin spoke in a dry, unemotional voice, not looking at Meg. You think he could be dead? Again, Meg leaped up and Calvin pulled her down. No, they'd have told us if he were dead. There'd be always a telegram or something. They always tell you. What did they tell you? Meg choked down a sob. Managed to speak over it. Oh, Calvin, mother's tried and tried to find out. He's been down to Washington and everything. And all they'll say is, is that he's on a secret and dangerous mission and that she can be very proud of him. But he won't be able to, to communicate with us for a while. And they'll give us news as soon as they have it. Meg, don't get mad. But do you think maybe they don't know? A slow tear trickled down Meg's cheek. That's what I'm afraid of! Why don't you cry, Meg asked gently. You're just you're just crazy about your father, aren't you? Go ahead and cry. It'll do you good. Meg's voice came out trembling over tears. I'd 
cry too much. I should be like mother. I should be able to control myself. Your mother is a completely different person, and she's a lot older than you are. I wish I were a different person. Meg said shakily. I hate myself. Calvin reached over and took off her glasses. Then he pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket and wiped away her tears. This gesture of tenderness undid her completely, and she put her head down on his knees and sobbed. Calvin sat quietly beside her, every once in a while patting her head. I'm sorry, she sobbed finally. I'm terribly sorry. Now you'll hate me. Oh, Meg, you are a moron, Calvin said. Don't you know you're the nicest thing that's happened to me in a long time? Meg raised her head and moonlit shone on her tear-stained face. Without the glasses, her eyes were unexpectedly beautiful. If Charles Wallace is a sport, I think I'm a biological mistake. Moonlit flashed against her braces as she spoke. Now she was waiting to be contradicted, but Calvin said, You know this is the first time I've seen you without your glasses? I'm blind as a bat without them. I'm nearsighted like father. Well, you know what? You've got dreamboat eyes, Calvin said. Listen, you go right on wearing your glasses. I don't think I want anyone else to see what gorgeous eyes you have. Meg smiled with pleasure. She could feel herself blushing, and she wondered if the blush would be visible in the moonlight. Okay, hold it, you two, came a voice out of the shadows. Charles Wallace stepped in the moonlight. I wasn't spying on you, he said quickly, and I hate to break things up, but this is it, kids, this is it. His voice quivered with excitement. This is what? We're going. Going where? Meg reached out and intensively grabbed for Calvin's hand. I don't know exactly, Charles Wallace said, but I think it's to find Father. Suddenly, two eyes seemed to spring at them out of the darkness. It was the moonlight striking on Mrs. Hood's glasses. She was standing next to Charles Wallace. And how she had managed to appear where a moment ago there had been nothing but flickering shadows in the moonlight? Meg had no idea. She heard a sound behind her and turned around. There was Mrs. Watson scrambling over the wall. My, but I wish there were no wind, Mrs. Watson said plaintively. It is so difficult with all these clothes. She wore her outfit of the night before, rubber boots and all, with the adaption of one of Mrs. Buncombe's sheets, which she had draped over her. As she slid off the wall, the sheet caught in a low branch and came off. The felt had slipped over both eyes, and another branch plucked at the pink stole. Oh dear, she sighed. I shall never learn to manage. Mrs. Hugh wafted over to her, tiny feet scarcely seeming to touch the ground. The lenses of her glasses glittered. Como te what grievous pain With a claw-like hand, she pushed the hat on Mrs. Watson's forehead, untangling the stole from the tree. With a deft gesture, took the sheet and folded it. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Watson said. You're so clever. On an old donkey knows more than a young colt. Just because you're a paltry few billion years, Mrs. Watson was staring intently with a sharp, strange voice cuts it. All right, girls, this is no time for bickering. It's Mrs. Witch, Charles Wallace said. There's a faint gust of wind. The leaves shivered in, in it. The patterns of moonlight shifted. And in a circle of silver, something shimmered, quivered, and the voice said, I do not think I will materialize completely. I find it very tiring 
and we have much to do. And that is the end of chapter three. Can you please give us a couple star? Please subscribe, like, give us a few stars and a review, or just tell friends and family about the show. It's really simple and easy to do, and it'll really help us grow. Okay. The link for book request and shout-out requests are in the description below. All you have to do is click on the link, scroll down a little bit, and you will see the messages button. You click on that, and you can hit the start recording once you get to the new page, and you can record us a message for one minute. In that message, you've got to let us know if you want us to play the message, or say your name and what you're doing, or if it's a book request, just put it into consideration. Thank you guys for listening so much. We really appreciate it. And shout out to our favorite show, Sister Sister. Go home, Roger!